You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. You got your Bibles turned to Nehemiah uh, chapter 4, and we're actually going to start in verse 9, Hannah. (laughs) Sorry, I just seen that in my notes. Hannah, but I guarantee you she'll have it here in just a second. (laughs) But the title of my message is Caught Between Two Fables. And one thing that God is doing is he's stirring in the hearts of the fathers. And we've talked about how God is rebuilding the temple, how God is uh, raising up the fallen booth of David. We've been talking about our tools and our weapons. Our tools and our our tools and weapons are the words that come out of our mouth. Our 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 words they speak things in the life. Proverbs says, "There's life and death in the power of the tongue." Your tongue is powerful for building, speaking a blessing. Your your words are powerful for tearing down strongholds that the enemy has got in your life. When Ashley said that uh, a couple of Sundays ago, that we don't have a weakness, the enemy just has a stronghold. And our words is what tears those strongholds down. And it's amazing, you know, again, the other night, talking to some boys before they was getting on their bulls, and I'm like going, guys, if bull riding's 90% mental, what do we need to work on? Our thoughts. Because listen, our thoughts become words, our words become actions, our actions become habits, and our habits become our character. And if, and if our words aren't lining up with how we're, come on. See, we've got to get to the point to where our words coming out of our mouth are lining up with the word of God. And it's always important that we know what it is. And so, and as you begin to look through the word, you'll see that God left everything for us to be successful according to his word. And so as this rebuild, see the problem with rebuild is the cleanup. It's the rubbish. It's replacing what's rotten and broken. And that's just, quite frankly, work. And a lot of times, it's the work that we get bogged down in. It's the work that we're like, oh, man, just if I could just get through this. If It's the burden of work that weighs us down. Come on, are y'all in here with me? And so, and let me just explain something. When I, when I sit down and the Holy Spirit begins to walk me through the word, I'm always looking at what he's doing. And so, and if when I look back of all the years that we've been doing this, I can look back and I can see that God's been pointing us in the direction of where we're at. And he uses his word to do that. And so in the Old Testament, I always get a spiritual look at what's going on naturally in the Old Testament. You'll see it naturally in the old, and it applies to us spiritually here in the new. 
So when we look at what Nehemiah is talking about, you have to say the rebuilding of the temple is us. Listen, because most of us screwed us up. Does that make sense? There's a lot of choices and a lot of things we do that just basically screws us up, right? No guilt, no condemnation. We're all in that boat. Ain't nobody say they got this thing figured out is what I'm trying to tell you, all right? And so in Nehemiah chapter 4, in verse 9, it'd probably help if I turn there. It says, but we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Now, he's rebuilding the wall because it's been torn down. It's, they've been hands off. Nothing's done. They were taken out of egg, to exile because of their sin. And now... God laid a burden on Nehemiah and Ezra's heart to rebuild. And so they go back and they begin to rebuild. Now, let me just point this out again, that God used a Persian king to finance and rebuild his house. Whoop, whoop. Come on. Okay. Thus, verse 10, thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearer is failing. Now, what, what, what he's saying is, is the work is so severe and the task is such a burden and it's heavy that, man, they are getting wore down. Come on, when you get wore down, you're like going, man, what's the use, right? We'll just ride this thing out, let it happen as it happens. See, that's what happens. Thus in Judah, it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. See, after a while, after things start wearing on you, you're like, what's the use? Man, it's, you know, I, I'm tired of fighting for this. I'm tired of, come on, y'all hearing what I'm saying? I get just wore down with it. Just, you know, what's the use? Just trying to help folks and everybody's mad at you. I've tried loving that neighbor. God, dog, man, come on. I've been working on this lust problem. I've been working on this, you know, come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you just begin to give in. Look what it says in verse 11. And our enemies said, let me tell you something. The enemy's always going to try to capitalize on your burden. The enemy is always going to try to capitalize on your burden because he's thinking he's got you right where he wants you. Come on. They always do it. And our enemy said they will not know or see until we come among them. Kill them and put a stop to the work. Listen, that's what the devil is always trying to do. He's trying to stop the work. He's trying to stop the advancing of the kingdom of God. And he'll do it any way he can. He'll come among you and get in among you before you even know it. And bam, they're there. And the church, when it lost its fight, 
the enemy was able to just to come right in. Come on. Let's keep reading. And it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times. They had... The Jewish people that were living by the enemy heard all this and they had to come to them ten times before they got it. How many of y'all ever been like that? It takes about ten times for some time for me to get it. God's trying to tell me something. An enemy's done snuck right in and I've plumb missed it. Come on. Next thing you know, I'm trying to gather up the rubbish. Ten times. They will come against us from every place where you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. Man, when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. God's saying something here. I'm telling you, in the day in which God is rebuilding, come on, families. Come on, families. Listen, it starts with the Father. It starts with the Father. I love this part. He said, watch this. He said, when I saw their fear... I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Let me tell you, when I looked up the word father, its number is one in the strong concordance. One. When you look up in the strong's concordance, it's, it's every bit of that thick. It's every word in the Bible. Where it's at, there is 1,090 matches in 924 verses for Father in Strong's Concordance. And the word Father means chief. According, accorded highest rank or office of greatest importance of influence. Fathers, we have the greatest importance of influence in our families. And we're the ones that teaches them to work and fight. Man, don't miss that. Because you go all the way back to Adam. And the mandate on Adam was to keep and cultivate. That was to be provider and to protect. Come on. The devil does nothing more than pervert. And he wants to pervert the father's role. Mm. We'll just let that lay right there a minute. When I saw their fear, I rose up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great, great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, the number 10 is, is a unity number. 
and 10 times they were told. Listen, 10 times it brought unity. And once unity came, listen, they may, they may be separate. They may have their own families, but they come together and assemble. Look, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, in other words, the plan, and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, the breastplate, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each one wore his sword girded at his side as he built, with the tr built while the trumpeter stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the, offic the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. And whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. Let me tell you something. There is something in gathering. We may all have our different spots, but when we gather together, man, we're able to stand and fight every family. Come on. How important was it for families to stand and build and fight together? To stand and fight together and build. Listen, and that starts with the father. When the father loses interest and unplugs from that role, then we get a division. Come on. We get separation and we never come together. And the enemy comes and we stay separated. Come on, are y'all with me? And so the rebuilding can't continue and then we're plucked off. Come on. See, there's strength and protection in numbers when we gather together. That's called the church. See, we ought to be able to come in here not condemning or judging or being critical, but going, hey, here's what I'm struggling with as a father. Here's what I'm struggling with as a mother. Here's what I'm, hey, remember, you're a team. Hey, remember, we're all in this together. If you need me, call me. Come on, y'all hearing what I'm saying? When we sound the trumpet, we need to all come together, right? And that's what happens. Because sometimes, listen, here's the deal. And you see this in churches a lot. And people talk about it. And they talk about it as a bad thing. But in all actuality, it's really not a bad thing. It's just a natural thing. Clicks. Come on. If you, as church grows, you... People call them click. No, they're not clicks. They're tribes. Right? They're just tribes. There's some of y'all, y'all ain't going to hang out and like what we do. You're just not going to like it. 
And there's some things I just, I, I, there's some things that just don't hold my interest that you do, that you love to do. And you're passionate about it and do it, but that's your tribe. Come on, are y'all with me? Everybody's got different, listen, and that's okay. That's what help, That's what God wants. He wants diversity in the body, and he'll put like-minded people with people. And that's not a bad thing, and that, that's just personalities. Come on, are y'all with me? There's a lot of people I just rub the wrong way. You're not going to think the things that are funny to me are funny to you. You're going to cuss and leave. And that's okay. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Because I'm telling you, when a, one of them little bull calves runs over you and I'm laughing, but you ain't, you're going to understand my humor's messed up. <laughs> Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, we all got different things going on, and that's okay. Is everybody okay with that? We just have to be mature enough to be able to handle, come on, that there's going to be different tribes. But let me tell you something. You mess with one of us, you get us all. Come on. I'm telling you right now, that's just how it is. We've raised that into our boys. And we, and I'm telling you, that's just how, how it goes. You mess with one, you get us all. Come on, are y'all with me in here? See, that's what unifies us. That's what brings us together. We may not all have the same likes, the same personalities. And the, Come on. But I'm just telling you, God's people are to be able to assemble and come together. Think about it. You were working and to rebuild. And now all of a sudden, you've got to fight. And the one thing that I've seen over the years is churches, church folk are willing to work. They're willing to serve, but they forgot they still have to fight too. Listen, fighting's messy. And I mean, regardless, there's no fair fight. You just got to be good at it, and you got to want to win. But you're going to have to be able to take a few, too. Come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See, now they're having to build and fight all at the same time. A lot of work, but there's, we, we got to come together to do it. See, the work is great and it's extensive and the enemy is mad and mocking. Let me tell you something. The closer we get to the time coming, the devil's nose, and let me tell you something. He's going to ramp it up. So what, the family is taking the biggest hit right now. The family institution. Keisha said it perfect. Listen, but listen, when we've been hands off, how run down does it get? When you take your hands off of something and you don't do the maintenance and you don't do the right, listen, it gets run down. And then it's hard to use. And so it takes more time to rebuild that thing up. See, in the lack of fathers in our culture, uh, we're seeing this now. Amos 9, 11, in that day I will raise up a fallen booth. 
wall up his breaches. I'll raise up its ruins and rebuild it. Let me tell you something. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, here's what it says. It's very, very plain. It says that he will restore the hearts of the fathers. That's so important. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. Let me tell you something. Restoration is work. But it's going to start with the fathers. It starts with us going, I'm willing to start rebuilding. I'm willing to start this rebuild. I'm willing to start taking my stand and build and fight all at the same time. Because what you're going to leave behind you is either going to advance the kingdom or tear your house apart. Man, <laughs> men, men, what you build is either going to advance the kingdom or tear your house apart. Come on. Listen, when restoration and harvest, there comes a stirring and a burden. See, and that's what God's doing. He's stirring in the hearts of the fathers. He's giving them a burden to start rebuilding. Come on, I see it going on. I see fathers starting to want to take their place. Come on, dads. We, we, it's our time. It's our time. It's our time to do it. It's our time to have them hard conversations. It's our time. Let me tell you something. You want to know how to start the rebuild as a dad? Start with repentance. Start at the very foundation. You know, I might have screwed you up giving you everything you needed and wanted. Or wanted. <laughs> Come on. You're not going to buy love. Let that one lay right there too. See, there's a burden in fathers to begin to rebuild, a stirring to fight for it. Come on. Restore the fathers, not friends, fathers. Listen, you can be your kid's friend later on in life when they're, you know, in their 20s and 30s. But you're going to have to be a disciplinary. You're going to have to be a coach and a mentor. Then you can work on being their friends. And at some point in there, you've got to get all that lined out. Then, come on. I see too many parents trying to be their kids' friends. They need you to be a parent. Amen. See, what we've experienced over time that we're seeing played out all across America that has caused extensive damage and has desperately left us in need of repairs is the lack of fathers. Come on. And it causes a burden. Like, oh man, I, don't, I didn't have a father. Keisha, Keisha said it right. There may be some didn't have an example of father. We've got the best example right here. Come on, no harm, no foul. Come on. Listen, dads didn't know how to have conversations. No, nobody was taught. Listen, we were taught to work. There's nothing wrong with that. We was taught to have work ethics. There's nothing wrong with that. But on the other side of that, we weren't taught anything emotionally. Come on. And we had to catch it. 
from a good father. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I know my daddy loves me. I know my daddy's a good daddy. My daddy's a good daddy. My daddy is an experience. Come on. You're going to experience my dad. But me and my dad never had no talk about girls. Or to, Come on, are y'all hearing me? We didn't sit down and talk about those kind of things. But see, now we're going to have to start having conversations. Now we're going to have to start. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See, a father's heart. Listen, it's work. It's having tough conversations. It's, inner, it's, it's pushing your sons and daughters. It's putting a demand on them. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, what we're experiencing here in America is the story of two fables. Chicken Little and the Boy Who Cried Wolf. See, our politicians want big government for power. And they have a media to drive that fear that the sky is falling for them. Come on. Listen, I'm not sitting here telling you the politicians and all the media got together, sat down, said, okay, here's the narrative, boys. Fear. And that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm telling you. Spiritually, the enemy has been playing this chicken little game. Come on. The enemy has done this. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And listen, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting spirits and principalities in the air. Come on. We have to learn who the enemy is. And as fathers, we set that. Here's the enemy, the devil. He hates you, and he's going to try to do everything he can to, so yes, you be home at 12 o'clock. Nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. <laughs> I know, that's why I won't stay out till one. <laughs> For the good stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be good till 12, and then at one, <laughs> we think pitch fit. See, nobody's saying that. The institution of family is under this attack. See, and we have to recognize this, and we have to take action against that. And it starts with us, dads. It starts at home with the father. See, we, we're the ones to be able to say, that's, that's a fable. That ain't right. Let me tell you something, fathers, if you're not leading the thinking of your family, but if TV, Hollywood, news, come on, if that's all leading the thinking of your children, let me tell you something, you're in trouble. You're going to wake up one day and not even recognize your kids. Fathers, we have to lead that thinking. Come on, we have to recognize, take action. Listen, the boy who cried wolf is the church hammering hellfire and brimstone. Repent because Jesus is coming back at any minute. And the church has cried that battle cry for so long that people are like going, man, we've, 
Nobody's saying the prayer. Nobody, come on, are y'all hearing me? And churches are emptying out because the church has been the boy who's cried wolf. Come on, where are you going to go if you was to die right now? I don't, hell, teach me how to live now. Listen, when the rubber met the road for Dave, I knew where I was going. Nobody had to tell me where I was headed. Come on. See, we've cried that cry for so long, nobody's paying attention. See, fathers are the spiritual priests of the house that starts the thinking of our kids right. It straightens it out. Eventually, the wolf eats the boy. Come on. And everybody scorns Chicken Little. <laughs> See, the father is designed to provide and to protect and to lead. And we lead the thinking. And the problem is, is the focus has gotten so off of Christ and what he came to do See, God's having to stir the hearts of the fathers again. He's having to put a burden, a burden to rebuild and a stirring to fight. Come on, is anybody in here with me? Listen, we've got to fight for our families. Listen, and again, being a father is not convenient. I can't say this enough. Being a father is not convenient. You know why? Because you're not going to be able to set them in front of the TV and say, here. You just can't do it anymore. You're going to have to get them involved with what you're doing. You're going to have to get them involved going with you where you're going. I never, I'll never forget. Josh was just a little, he was in that what and where stage. Anybody remember that stage? Oh my God. We was going to pick up two bucking horses somewhere. And I'm telling you, for two hours, where are we going? What are we picking up? Where are we going? What are we picking up? Where are we at? Where are we at? Two hours. Then two hours on the way home. Now, who brought these? Where were these? What were these? I mean, shh. You know? And Caleb, it, it, here's Caleb. The, their difference in their personalities is amazing. It, it's unreal. Joshua, you, he wanted to know everything. Caleb, he just wanted your attention. He just, Daddy. Dad, dad, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, he grabbed your hands with both and dad. It's going to be inconvenient. Disciplining your children is not convenient. It's not convenient. And it's embarrassing. Come on, are y'all hearing me? But it's valuable. It's so valuable. Because let me tell you something. The reason the family, the fathers, the institution of home is so under attack is because it's the father, the mother, and the children. It's that institution that makes them better citizens in our culture and in our community. Come on, are y'all hearing me? That's how God designed it. And it all points to 
Come on, are y'all with me? That's why God is married to us. He is married to our restoration and our rebuild. Come on, are y'all hearing me? That's why his mercy and his grace is so amazing because he's more for us than we can even imagine. Come on, are y'all with me? Listen, there's nothing wrong with asking your kids, man, how can I be a better father? See, the father's role is vital for a healthy society. It's vital. 9-11 was the beginning of the Great Awakening. 9-11 was a signpost that God said, let me tell you, here's, here's where we're going, boys. Because I'm telling you, here's what I seen during 9-11. I seen God stir in the hearts of young men that just dropped careers and went and fought. I'm telling you, the guys that had NFL football careers, guy, uh, there was a boy that would live with us. He was in flight school to be a commercial pilot, and he just quit and went and joined the Marines. God stirred these young men's heart. You watch uh, American Sniper, Chris Kyle. He was dang near in his 30s, and God stirred his heart. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And God was showing us naturally what was happening in the spiritual realm. And when they went over into Iraq, they set a people free. And let me tell you something, the gospel flooded into Iraq. Judges chapter 13. Come on, 9-11 stirred. Look here. All throughout the Bible, you see where God stirred. Judges 13, verse 24. Then the woman gave birth to a son, named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Come on. Now here's the deal. Samson couldn't ever get that stuff all together. And it ended up costing him. But God stirred in Samson. Now look in Genesis chapter 49. I want to show you something real interesting because Samson was of the tribe of Dan. Fathers, you set your children's course by your words. Come on. And here's something that I always thought, Mark. I don't think when we get to heaven and see Samson that he's going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to look like Rocky Balboa. I don't think he's going to look like The Rock. I think he's going to look more like me. A little bitty guy. No big arms. Come on, 
I just don't think that. Look here, and I'll show you why. Verse 16, Dan. Now, you have to understand, this is a father speaking over his sons. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. In other words, he's going to be a leader. He's going to have leadership. Dan shall be a serpent in the way. Now, this got me. I thought, wait a minute, what's the deal here? He says, and Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heel so that his rider falls backwards. Let me tell you what this says is. It says that he's going to be small but lethal. Come on. He's going to be small but lethal. He's going to learn from experiences. He's going to learn to adapt. He's going to do things, but he's going to bring the powerful. Come on. So see, I don't think when we get there, I don't think Samson... We're not going to go find Fabio with big muscles. <laughs> Come on. Dan shall judge his people. He's going to exercise leadership. He's going to hold his own. Yeah, Samson's life was ruined because he always wanted his want. His selfishness is what ruined him. Fathers, it's hard to be that leader and it's hard to be lethal when you're selfish. Come on, are y'all hearing me? And the problem with that is, is you don't mature. You, it stunts your maturity and it takes you out. Matthew 10, 16, 17, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Come on. They are sent out on a mission. They're sent out to advance the kingdom. Right smack in the middle of enemy territory. And he's telling them, be skillful and be harmless. See, we haven't learned that. In the church, we want to do things <coughs> that promote us. We want to do things that point to us. All of our services are geared around what we do, our gifts and our talents. And come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? That's not what they're geared around. But we are to be innocent as doves and we are to be skillful and sly as a serpent. I never had a snake introduce himself into, no, he just comes and there he is. Let me tell you something. How many of y'all ever walked up on a snake skin and went, oh man, it just out of nowhere. I'm telling you, there's one by a pile of uh, uh, fence posts we got by the arena. Oh my, it, I, it's that long. And I'm telling you, I know it's a chicken snake, but it still scared the crap out of me. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it make you go, oh. 
And as Christians, we should be right amongst them before they even know it. Come on, are y'all with me? See, we've, we're on a mission. A father's role is to prepare with leadership and to be lethal against darkness. That's what we do. That's, listen, being a father is the most, it's the most noblest thing, most, the greatest title of all. Come on, are y'all with me? And it's time we start taking it that serious. See, this is why knowing that you're, what your tools and your weapons are is so important. Because let me tell you something. Your kids are going to do what you do. Your kids are going to do exactly what you do. They're going to they're catch more from you than you're going to teach them. Come on. They're going to dress like you. They're going to walk like you. They're going to love the same things you love. That's just how it works. And they're going to catch more than you're going to teach. Come on, are y'all with me? It's the most vital thing. It's the most noblest position on the planet. And fathers have been sidelined by our culture trying to take masculinity out and tell you it's dangerous. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Let me tell you something. Fathers, your daughters need to see you being a man. They need to see you being a man. And let me tell you, being a man is humbling yourself before God. Out of all the things that I think and I pray that my kids see from their daddy is that I'll bow and raise my hands to the king. Because I'm telling you right now, nothing will sustain your family and restore your family like God can. Nothing. Because I'm telling you, even when you, even when you trust God, listen, you've got to trust God with your children. I'm telling you right now, I can't tell you how vital it is to trust God with your children. We can't be sidelined anymore. We have to learn the art of spiritual warfare. There is an art to spiritual warfare. Come on. 2 Corinthians 10, 35. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Look what he says. He says war. He doesn't even say fight. We war. War is all the time. When you're at war, you're at war. And it's ugly and it's messy. Come on. See, we've got a media that thinks war ought to be this, everybody stand there and be nice and polite. That ain't war. War's ugly. War is a bunch of fight. Come on. War can get messy. Come on, war can cross a few lines. Come on, we, won't. we have to have rules of engagement. 
That's the biggest bunch of crock I ever heard. You want to win a war? Go blow some crap up. Am I being too much or what? Because I'm trying to make this to where you understand the devil doesn't have rules of engagement. He hates you from the before you're born. He hates you from before you're born. He's trying to take you out from before you're born all the way up until you, come on, draw your last breath. He hates you. And the only rules of engagement for that is to send it right back at him with the word of God. Come on. So it, the war according to flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I like, look at it in second, in the message. It says, our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives to obedience into maturity. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Listen, that is so powerful right there because it goes back to, listen, we all entered into this thing called Christianity at different spots. Come on, at ages. And so some of our children are older now. And listen, there's quite frankly, there's a lot of things we did BC before Christ that God is able because of our weapons to remove the obstruction. Come on and clean up some things. Come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you, there's things that God can do and make up ground when we just stop and repent. And as fathers, we stop and we say, Lord, help me to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better neighbor. Come on. At any point, we can do this. Doesn't matter. Come on, are y'all with me? See, fathers have the tools to clear the ground, to lay a foundation for the future. That's what we do. That's what we have. Nothing in the world could be worse than having exactly what you need to build a house and all the materials laying right there, and yet you still can't make it a home. Come on, y'all with me? See, it's our jobs, Dad, to make a home. Psalms 127.4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Like arrows. Listen, it's amazing the amount of time. When this time of year, I'll always start getting my arrows out and I'll start knocking the feathers off of them to put new feathers on. 
and start making, and I'll go through them eras and I'll start making sure there's no cracks down there by the, the broadheads and make sure everything's working good and make sure they're all rolling across the countertop without a wobble in them. Come on. Because I want that arrow to be as lethal as possible. And I want to know that when I pull that bow back, that it's dead on. And I spend lots of time trying to make sure and tweak and, come on, are y'all with me? Guns, the same way. Come on, who doesn't go out and shoot their guns a few times and make sure it's still on? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Come on, fathers. See, that's how important this is. Are we training hands-on to make our kids as lethal to the kingdom of darkness as possible? Come on, that's what God put us here to do. Fathers. See, now you know why the enemy has fought so hard to take fathers out. Now let me just say this. If you're in here right now and you're thinking, man, I wish that would have been my dad. I wish my dad would have known this. Here's what I want you to start doing is I want you to start praying. Stirring my father's heart. Stir my father. Stir my father. Stir in my father. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Restore the hearts of the father back to their children. Come on, are y'all with me? See, we as fathers prepare the next generation to build and fight and advance. Father is more than just having children. Come on. Anybody can have a kid. Come on. See, being a father is not just an event. It's a responsibility. It's a calling. It's the highest calling. It is chief. It is noble. Come on. Because we're working and we're learning and we're passing on. It's discipline. It's coaching. It's mentoring. It's living out life's experience. Let me tell you something. The greatest things your kids will ever see is you living out your experiences before them how you handle them. See, you're never done fathering. You're never done. You're going to always be fathering. And then when you're a grandpa, you're still going to be living out before them. Come on. What's godly? What's right? Helping mature the tribe. Come on, are y'all hearing me?
I done got to the point where I got a tribe. Three kids, seven grandkids. It's a tribe. And boy, it takes all of us. Come on, it's always coaching, living out. Every day, even in old age. It's not just about giving them stuff. It's about godly wisdom, instilling work, instilling fight. Come on. Pointing them in the way of Christ. Morally healthy and at peace. Come on. We live in a society that is so riddled in anxiety right now. And let me tell you, fathers, it's our duty to set the boundaries that they live in without anxieties. Come on. It's our job to affirm our young men and to give them rite of passage as they grow up. Come on. To affirm them. Yeah, that's good, man. You're doing a great job. To our daughters, you're beautiful. You're beautiful, Jess. Come on. It's our job as dads. Come on. Zechariah 9, 13, for I will bend Judah as my bow. I will fill the bow with Ephraim and I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and I will make you like a warrior's sword. Here's what's so important about Judah and Ephraim. Judah and Ephraim, Judah is, is the praise. Yes, it's the Jewish people. But Ephraim, Ephraim is us Gentiles. God said, I'll make both Jew and Gentile like warriors. I'm going to stir them up. Come on, are y'all with me in here? Y'all stand. What did God, when God began to establish the kingdom under David, it said he sent him the, the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times and what to do. Men who understood the times and what to do. Come on, guys, we need to understand where we're at in our culture right now. The church can't be silent. Men, we can't be silent. We have to take the responsibility in the family. It's our job. It's our time. And we just have to respond and take action. Come on, are y'all with me? In the natural, 9-11 stirred. 9-11 was the signpost. Says God said, okay, I'm fixing to start restoring some things. And I'm going to start stirring. So it's time this that we live in for us to take action.
Man, guys, it starts with us. And I can tell you right now, our children and our wives, they are crying out for this. There's a fatherless generation crying out for fathers. Come on. Lord, we come to you. Lord, we thank you that as we begin in this restoration of your church. Lord, help us as fathers, stir us with a burden to build and to fight for our families. Regardless of what our culture and society is trying to tell us, trying to cancel out the family, God, let it start in our homes. Let it start in our homes as individuals. That we may advance your kingdom and point people to you. Father, we thank you for it. And sir, we just tell you happy Father's Day. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.